I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here with Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm talking about the coronavirus. I believe there's a man that has lived in America that has been a man that has corrupted America more than any man that has lived in this nation. It was the opinion of one man that Billy Graham preached when he was here. I've got this title on the board, Coronavirus, Billy Graham was an illusionist convincing America of his inherited lies. Where did he get his lies from? And why are they lies? They do not match up with Scripture. Absolutely do not. He got his doctrine. He didn't get it from the Southern Baptist Convention. The Southern Baptist at one time preached predestination back in 1850, 1860, 1870, until they got to about 1920. Then they pulled away from predestination, the sovereignty of God, and then the Independent Baptist broke off from the Southern Baptist, and they were started in my hometown of Fort Worth, Texas, by a man that everybody called an old war horse because he was willing to fight the Southern Baptist Convention. His name was J. Frank Norris. He started the Independent Baptist. One of my dear friends, Dr. Roy Kemp, he was a dear friend to me. I heard him teach when I was about 16 or 17, and I said, I never heard anything like this in my life. And I said, I've got to learn the things that this man is teaching. And I started studying when I was 17 years old. And I've been studying for 64 years. Had some lean years and some bad years while I was seeking the flesh. But overall, I I never got to sit under him except once or twice listening to his preaching. But I wanted to make friends with him. So I started going to his house in Fort Worth. He lived close to me, and I'd go over there and sit in the floor and say, Dr. Kemp, let me ask you a question. And he would sit there and say, well, boy, so-and-so and such. He was in his mid-60s, and I was about 25 or 26. He was Dr. Norris's head of his seminary at the beginning. And that's what got me starting to study. He was, I didn't get to study under him on a regular basis. I just would go to his house. Didn't get to go to the seminary where he taught. But I began to learn things. So the independent Baptist broke off, started a seminary outside Fort Worth called the Bible Baptist Seminary, and they taught predestination there, every one of them. I had a friend went there, and he said, you couldn't stand staying there if you didn't believe in predestination. Well, the independent Baptists, they were like everyone else. They started, they had a bunch of free will people creep in, so they split in the mid-50s. And then a group went to Springfield, Missouri, and started their own seminary, and that was the Baptist Bible College. Well, when they started that, there were famous preachers that I knew that went out there, David Cavan and and uh, a, a professor named Conley, and then you had uh, Dr. 
Dr. Norris stayed, Dr. George Norris, J. J. Frank Norris's son, stayed in Fort Worth, and Earl Odom stayed in Fort Worth, and they kept preaching predestination. And the independents split. And out of that, out of that group in Springfield, Missouri, came the John Rice people. He was a free will person. The Tennessee Temple. And you guys that are independent Baptists, you recognize these names I'm calling, and you know what I'm talking about. So I knew these guys. I knew a lot of the old preachers out of Texas, a lot of the old doctors of theology. And Billy Graham did not continue to teach Southern Baptist doctrine. He was a false teacher. So what he did, he adapted the teachings of Charles Finney. Charles Finney was lived in the 1800s early 1800s Charles Finney and Charles Finney and his followers the people that followed him were like R.A. Torrey I was familiar with these guys when I was a young kid R.A. Torrey and then came Dwight Dwight L. Moody and these were all free will people now, Moody Bible Institute is in Chicago, and and they've got a preacher, a pastor at Moody Bible Church. This is really strange to me. I listened to him on uh, on radio. His name was Erwin Lutzer, and Erwin Lutzer preaches at predestination. He claims to believe in it, but he doesn't insert it just everywhere like I do. And But he's interesting to listen to. He's got some pretty good messages on WNQM. And you, that's 1300 of the dial. Fairly interesting. He'll say some things I may disagree with. And that's amazing because Dwight L. Moody was completely free will. And he got his doctrines from R.E. Torrey. He got his from Charles Finney. And they were, they started what they called the anxious, anxious bench. The anxious bench, or they they talked about the seat the seat that the people come down to the front and try to beg the Lord to come into their life. And then Moody, the man that followed him, was Billy Sunday. He was an internationally famous preacher in the early 1900s, not Graham, Billy Sunday. And then they started with this this seat they had down front they had different names for it all and then they started backing into the inquiry room inquiry room that would be somewhere in the back they'd take them back there and then say do you know you're a sinner would you like to accept Christ as your personal savior and they had instant salvation that when that's not the way it is and Billy Sunday took over where Dwight Moody left off and Billy Sunday was like 1905, 1910, in that area. And my grandfather was a circuit-riding Methodist preacher. He was a circuit rider. 
circuit riding Methodist preacher. That is where a preacher would preach in one town one week and they didn't have enough preachers to go around and he would ride his horse over to the next church 20 miles away or 30 to preach in that church the next week and then he'd ride over here and ride over here and then he'd come back to this first place and that was called a circuit riding Methodist preacher. My grandfather said that one of the famous outlaws, uh, uh, Billy the Kid or one of those guys, said he was riding along in his in his buggy and he lived in the days of buggies. He, in fact, my grandfather was born in 1865, and uh, that's the year that Lincoln died. Well, my father was born in 1914, and my father had brothers old enough to be his father, three or four of them. Anyway, and he would go from place to place. Well, my father, I kept wondering where he got some of his ideas. He got them from Billy Sunday. And my father would, Billy Sunday was the first showman, showman in the ministry evangelistic world. He'd get up and put on shows and raise chairs up in the air. And, and I remember one time, I've got a picture of him in a book. He says, it's not Hades, it's H-E-double-L-Hell. He was uneducated. He was a retired baseball player. Well, that's about all he knew. He didn't know that it was Hades. And then my father was pulling a lot of these tricks he had heard about Billy Sunday, and I guess he got them from his circuit-riding preacher father, and he was a Methodist. And then my father preached the rest of his life, and I believe he got his ideas because my father did some crazy things. One time he took a paper mache cross, made a great big one, about 20 feet long, and had the cross piece and painted red blood on it and went into Weatherford, Texas, which was about 25 miles from Fort Worth. And they and he took a, a church and people and marched. This was back in 1950, and you could do these kind of things back then. There wasn't any codes or restrictions against it. And he it stopped all the traffic as we marched around the square in Weatherford about 1950. And he was a showman. I believe he got this stuff from Billy's Sunday. And I know that he got the sawdust trail because Billy's Sunday would scatter, would set up a tent, scatter sawdust all over the floor so people would be warm in the winter. And my father would have a wood stove over there and have the have the flame going and he would scatter sawdust and he got that from Billy Sunday and he would talk about walking the sawdust trail getting people to accept Christ well all that just wasn't true and Billy Graham picked up Billy Sunday's Billy Graham picked up that inquiry room the anxious bench that Finney and that oratory because this was not a Southern Baptist doctrine. And Billy Graham picked up their baton and kept up that free will. Billy Graham followed them. And that's the truth. And that's where he got his doctrine from these poor preachers. They were poor in the sense they didn't have the truth. And I've said this, and I'm going to read something to you. Illusion. 
Illusion means a mocking, deceit, a false idea of conception, belief or opinion not in accord with the facts. Billy Graham preached opinions of these men that were according to the facts and it was not Baptist doctrine. The Baptists were founded upon the doctrines of predestination. Their famous seminaries, Southwestern in Fort Worth, Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, were founded on the doctrines of predestination. B.H. Carroll founded that seminary in Fort Worth, and he founded it on predestination and sovereignty of God. But you can't find that within 100 miles of that seminary now. Let me continue reading this. It's talking about a false perception, conception, or interpretation of what one sees or where one is. The misleading image resulting in such a false impression, a hallucination, and America is hallucinating with the doctrines of Billy Graham. He was a false teacher. People say, but he was popular. Oh, without a doubt, the most popular preacher that has lived in the last 2,000 years. But if you're that popular, he's preached to 200 million people in the world in his life. If you're popular, the Bible says, Woe unto you! Woe unto you when all men speak well of you! The word is O-U-A-I. It is a cry of damnation. You can say, yeah, but that's everybody except Billy Graham. It includes Billy Graham. Damnation. All people saw was his personality. They don't really know what he believed. I've got a book over here. It will tell you some of the most hair-raising things that he said in his life. This is the book called Billy Graham and His Friends. He is the man that has done more destructive to the church in America than anyone else. Everything he approved of was outrageous. He put his approval on men who didn't believe in the virgin birth. He put his approval. He said Bill Clinton could have been an evangelist with his personality and his charm. And I'm sorry, that's not what it takes to be a good evangelist. He said he would not talk about about Bill Clinton's womanizing or his sexual escapades because he said he would never be invited back to the White House. He preached accept Christ, and that's he got that from Billy Sunday, Dwight Moody, R.A. Torrey, and Charles Finney. These guys followed one another, and they were the most famous preachers in the world during their times. And they were all free will, and there's no such thing as free will. Let me erase this, because I've got to put some more on the board. This is where this all comes from. Any of you independent Baptists, you've heard of the names that I have mentioned. I got so fed up and so tired of 
I actually sang and preached in a lot of independent Baptist churches around America. And I woke up one day and turned and looked at her and said, you guys don't believe the truth. And I walked away and started a Bible class in my house. And this this ministry, we're on TV in about 375 towns and cities. We're on the Internet all over the world 24 hours a day. We get email from England, from France, from Ireland, from from India, from all over, the, from Germany, from Africa, from all over the world. And people are saying, I didn't know anybody in the world was telling the truth. You've changed my life. Now, let me read some things to you out of this Billy Graham and his friends. I've preached on this before. I marked this thing up. Now, Billy Graham is so popular I did not say that. If the Bible says friendship with the world, James 4 and 4, 4 and 4, friendship with the world is enmity, enmity against God. Enmity is the word ekthra. Ekthra means hostile. And whosoever be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Billy Graham was everybody's friend. The Catholics, the Hindus, the Buddhists, the whole thing. And he put his approval on all of them. Billy Graham is so popular that he was selected as the recipient of the Templeton Prize in 1982. In the address that Templeton gave during this ceremony, he said, Every person is created by God is a child of God, and the Holy Spirit dwells within each human being. Holy Spirit's truth, and that's not true. That's what Mr. Templeton said. And then, let me read some more. This afternoon... His Royal Highness Prince Philip presented the Templeton Prize for 1982 to the Reverend Billy Graham. Reverend is the name of God. It's mentioned one time in the Bible in Psalms 110. And Reverend is my name. He said, Reverend is the word Yahweh. And everyone called him Reverend Billy Graham. Yare means to fear. It's the same word as fear all through the Old Testament. You're not to fear any man. And then, the founder of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association is the duty of every person who worships God in any form. You have to... You have to believe that anybody who worships Buddha or Hinduism or Shintoism or any god in any form is a child of God. The recipient, Templeton, explained. Templeton was a heathen. He, he was an atheist. He didn't believe in the virgin birth, didn't believe in the deity of Christ. And Billy Graham accepted the accolades of this heathen. The recipient of the award has been selected by distinguished judges from all five major religions worldwide who serve for a three-year period. The Buddhist judge is the Dalai Lama. 
Mr. Justice P.N. Bhagwati of the Supreme Court of India is a Hindu. The Honorable Philip N. Klutznik, former Secretary of Commerce of the United States, is President of the World Jewish Congress. Senator Orrin Hatch, United States Senator, is a Mormon from Utah. Her, Her Royal Highness, the Grand Duchess, Josephine of Luxembourg is a Roman Catholic. These are all the people that bestow this upon Billy Graham. The Most Reverend Stuart Blanche, Archbishop of York, and Dr. Arthur Robert Peacock, Dean of Clare College, Cambridge, are Anglicans, Church of England, which is nothing but a plastic Catholic. Other Christian judges are the Right Honorable Lyndon O. Penling, Prime Minister of the Bahamas, Charles Rickett Fillmore, Chairman of the Unity Church of Christianity. Unity means there's one God and they don't believe in the Trinity. Senator Mark Hatfield, U.S. Senator from Oregon. The New World Order. Since Hatfield was one of the judges, let's briefly look at him. Hatfield is the 33-degree Mason. He also, along with Ted Kennedy, joined together in 1981 in proposing a nuclear freeze resolution to the Senate. Hatfield insisted that the murderous Ho Chi Minh was simply a nationalist, and he murdered the American troops. He just said he was a nationalist. He was one of the signers of the Traitor's Declaration of Interdependence, which states in part, two centuries ago our forefathers brought forth a new nation. Now we must join together with others to bring forth a new world order. That was Mark Hatfield on that same committee that Billy Graham accepted this, this humanitarian award from all of these pagans. Then, now let me read you something else that he accepted. All right. Billy Graham gives credit to Senator Mark Hatfield of the United States for indoctrinating him with pacifist and disarmament stances. Larry King interviewed Billy Graham. What do you think of the other churches like Mormonism, Catholicism, other faith within the Christian concept? This was Billy Graham's answer. Graham could respond, oh, I think I have wonderful fellowship with all of them, with Mormons, Catholics, and all the rest of the churches. The Bible says, have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. And the Bible says, if any man preaches any other doctrine, didache, any other instruction, any other instruction withdraw from them don't have anything to do with them if you bid them Godspeed which is the word C-H-A-I-R-O it comes from the word C-H-A-R-I-S which is the word grace, if you're gracious to them, and we get the word kara, which is the word joy or rejoice, and the Bible says you cannot rejoice with unfruitful works of darkness. You can't rejoice or have joy with anybody that preaches another doctrine. If you 
join in with people that preach another doctrine. The next verse says in Second John 11, this is Second John 10, don't bid them Godspeed. Second John 10, in Second John 11, if you bid them Godspeed and you're cheerful to them, I'm not saying you've got to be nasty to people. I'm very gentle and kind to everybody I meet, but I don't invite them to my house for a cookout when they believe in these false doctrines. And I don't go to their house. The Bible has no fellowship with them. Billy Graham fellowshiped with all of them. He's done more to destroy the conservative Bible-speaking church in America than anyone. This book will tell you he was behind the ecumenical movement pulling Roman Catholicism together along with... Gosh, I can't tell you enough about this man. I've got a picture here. And he's, he's shaking hands with the Pope. And they said that he is more Roman Catholic than otherwise. And he made the statement. Here he is with the Pope. There he is right there. And it says under here, the religious news service reported on January 13, 1981, Pope John Paul II was closeted for almost two hours with the Reverend Billy Graham, the world's best-known Protestant evangelist. Following the New England crusade, thousands of those who came forward are now in the process of being integrated into the Roman Catholic Church. When Billy Graham would come to town, they'll tell you in this book, and in other publications I've got, that Billy Graham would come into town and send a team in town, contact all the churches in town, contact the Catholics, he'd have men go in and talk to them, he'd contact the Baptists, He'd contact the Assemblies of God, the Church of Christ. They would go in and talk to them, and they would have them all meet in a common place and so that they could be workers in the crusade. Now, what's the Catholics going to do when they have counselors among Catholicism? Are they going to go down there and say, I got this cracker I need you to eat down here at the altar and I want you to drink this grape juice and this is the blood of Christ because that's the mass and that's what they believe. And then when Billy Graham would leave, he would take all these names. If you walk down the aisle and you're a Roman Catholic, he would send that to the local Catholic diocese and have the people go back to that Catholic church and become faithful Roman Catholics eating the mass or eating cannibalism. He'd do the same thing with the Methodists even though they preach good works for salvation. The same thing with the Church of Christ though they preach baptism for water baptism for salvation. He helped build these free world churches that didn't preach truth. Following the New England crusade, thousands of those that came forward are now in the process of being integrated into the Catholic Church. Meetings have taken place between Graham Association and the Catholic Catholic clergy for the transfer of these people to the Roman Church. One such meeting took place at Pope John the 13th Seminary in Weston, Massachusetts on the evening of January 9th, 1982 when the names of 2,100 that walked down the aisle in a crusade, Roman Catholics were given to the priests and nuns. Now you tell me that is his fellowship with Roman Catholicism. 
The Roman Catholics at Belmont College in North Carolina, a Roman Catholic school, made the statement, Billy Graham is more Catholic than otherwise. He has been a, he has been a representative of the Catholic Church in America. Now, ecumenical, he was the head of the ecumenical movement. Ecumenical is where you bring all beliefs together in one. Now, let me get on reading more from this. All right. When I ask him, what do you think of Mormons and Catholicism and all the other faiths, he said, I have wonderful fellowship with all of them. Something wrong with that. King then asked Graham, well, are you comfortable with Judaism? He responded, I'm very comfortable. They don't even believe that Jesus is the Messiah. All right, let me read some more to you. About John Templeton. He's the one that put out this Templeton Award. To further understand the Templeton Award, which Billy Graham has received, we need to look at its founder, John Marks Templeton. Templeton went to Yale University, earned a Phi Beta Kappa Key, and is a Rhodes Scholar, a very brilliant man. The John Templeton Foundation hosted four key sessions at State of World Forum in 2000. The theme was shaping globalization. Globalization is where we bring everything together. We have one currency, and it'll be all over the world, and we have one, one belief. And everybody tolerates everybody else's belief. That's what Roman Catholicism was founded on, the Edict of Toleration. Says Templeton, no one should say that God can be reached by only one path, even though Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Billy Graham puts his approval on Mr. Templeton. Templeton is also leading advocate of the heresies of the mind science cult like religious science. Let me give you some more. Who endorsed a book on Buddhism and Hinduism? There was one other person who endorsed this book which quoted and promoted the teachings of Christianity and Buddhism and Hinduism. Who was this endorser? It was none other than Billy Graham. Of this book, he said, that endorses Buddhism and Hinduism. Truly a legend in our time, John Templeton, this is Billy Graham, Louding and applauding John Templeton. John Templeton understands that the real measure of a person's success in life is not financial accomplishment, but moral integrity and inner inner character. Since Graham endorsed this book that applauded Buddhism and Hinduism, let's take a peek inside the cover and see what Templeton says. He writes... The basic principle for leading a sublime life may be derived from any religion, tradition, Jew, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, and others, as well as Christians. And Billy Graham says he's one of the best Christians that ever lived. Now, let me read you something else here. Billy Graham put his approval on Robert Schuller. 
Of course, Templeton and Graham seem to agree on one issue. Robert Schuller's Possibilities magazine had Templeton's photo on the cover. The lead article quoted Templeton that nothing exists except God. That's it. That's pantheism, that the Christ spirit dwells in every human being, whether the person knows it or not. And that's what Billy Graham told Larry King on his show. Billy Graham believed things that people didn't hear. They just saw this personality as he's doing crusades, and he never did tell you the real truths that he believed. Remember what Graham told Schuler during his interview? He said, outside Christian groups, I think everybody who knows Christ, whether they are conscious of it or not, they're members of the body of Christ, the church. That's not true. He went on to say, whether they come from the Muslim world or the Buddhist world or the Christian world, they are members of the body of Christ because they've been called by God and they have not. Now, let me read some more of these things that he says. He talks about Norman Vincent Peale. Norman Vincent Peale wrote the book uh, about positive attitudes about what was the name of his book uh, Power, of Power of Positive Thinking and he was a prelude to all of these Power of Positive Thinking or Thinking Positive and Saying It With Your Mouth and these charismatics that say that as mentioned earlier Norman Vincent Peale wrote the foreword forward to one of Templeton's books here's another man that needs to be discussed not only because of his connection to Templeton because of his close relationship with Billy Graham Graham and Peale had a friendship of about 35 to 40 years in 1957 Madison Square Garden Crusade Graham had Peale on the platform with him in fact Graham said that Peale was very supportive of his meetings and there's probably a and probably a reason why almost 400 decision cards were turned over to Peel for follow-up and nearly 100 of these people later joined his church and he didn't believe in the deity of Christ and he didn't believe in the virgin birth and he didn't believe in being born again he said you don't have to be born again that's what Norman Vincent Peel said and Billy Graham approved of him in 1960, Graham invited Peel to address a group of evangelical leaders in Switzerland. You didn't know Billy Graham was this mushy, did you? Peel, of course, was a New Ager, a Swiner, a 33-degree Mason, a Knights Templar, which is Roman Catholic. He had already been a Mason for over 30 years and had been the Grand Chaplain of the Grand Lodge of New York before he sat on the platform with Graham Peel boasts my grandfather was a mason for 50 years my father for 50 years and I've been a mason for 60 years this means that my tie to Freemasonry extends back to 1869 when my grandfather joined the masons I am proud of my involvement then Peel's response not only was Peel a Mason, but he had endorsed the ungodly channeled messages called the Jesus Letters. Now listen to this. 
And Billy Graham put his approval on the Jesus letters. Written by Jane Paulzier and Anna Brown in an article titled Psychic Records, Letters from Jesus, We Are Told. Part-time New, New, Newington Secretary Jane Paulzier said each of the messages in the book entitled The Jesus Letters was written by her hand through psychic phenomenon known as inspirational writings. She's calling this the inspiration of the Spirit. The amazing holy letters were written one day over a two-year period that began on the morning in 1978. She said the letters were dictated by non-living spirit who identified himself through her pen as Jesus Christ. You believe that? I was holding a pen and the pen knocked from my hand, she explained. What a lying woman. My hand went numb. At first, I thought I was having a stroke. You should have. She said she picked up the pen, but it was again knocked from her hand. It happened two or three times before. Since sounds like some magician trick. Appeared on the paper, and it read, you're going to be a channel. You know what channeling is, don't you? Channeling is where the spirit of somebody else comes down and occupies your body. That's what Benny Hinn said about Catherine Kuhlman. said he'd go out to her grave, he'd stand there, and her spirit would come up out of the grave and occupy him. And that's why he's out there slaying in the spirit. The next message was that there is a comma after the word love. At that point, I realized that Jesus was a signature. She's saying Jesus gave her that. The Jesus letters claims that heaven is for all that every person, including heathen, has Christ within. The authors of whom is a theosophist insist there are many Christ, of course, and the book also endorses spirit mediums and channelers. What was Peel's response to this occult book? He wrote, What a wonderful gift to all of us from you and your book The Jesus Letters just an out and out lie Peel speaking to the occultist Kreskin remember him stated all he's doing is dramatizing what I've been preaching in my writings for years now let me now Peel Christ is one of many ways Norman Vincent Peale said, and Billy Graham put his approval on him. Who is God? God is vitality. God is life. God is energy. As you breathe God in and you visualize his energy, that's what the charismatics say. You visualize it, and then you say it with your mouth, and it comes to pass. Let me give you this. I'm not going to read all of this. I can't read everything I've marked in it. Peel said, Norman Vincent Peel said, It's not necessary to be born again. You have your own way to God. I have mine. I found eternal peace in a Shinto shrine. Shintoism is the worship of many gods in Japan. Christ is one of the ways. God is everywhere. Returning to Peel, we find that he was a main speaker 
of Mormon President's birthday festivity in 1980 and praised Mormon leaders. He called Mormon President Spencer Kimball a great man of God and a true prophet of Jesus Christ. Now, listen to what Billy Graham says about Norman Vincent Peale. Even though Peel denied Christ's virgin birth deity and resurrection, Graham said December the 6th, 1966, at a National Council of Churches luncheon, and the National Council of Churches did not believe in the virgin birth and in the deity of Christ. This is Graham's words. I don't know anyone who has done more for the kingdom of God than Norman and Ruth Peel. That's Graham's words. Or have meant any more in my life the encouragement they have given me. I can't believe this man, Graham. I could read all this other stuff, but I just don't have time. It is true that Peel claims to have accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. What? When you can't do that, Peel quickly adds, I am absolutely and thoroughly convinced that it is my mission never to use this language about being born again and trying to communicate with the audience that God has given me. Peel has redefined these words to fit his own occultic new thought ideas. Peel teaches that Christ is one of the ways to heaven. He says it's not necessary to be born again. And Billy Graham approved of all of that. I can't keep on reading all of this. There's so much to it. Graham put his approval on everything that was wrong. Put his approval on James Pike, who said God is dead. Not only did Graham give him to pray at his crusade, James Pike wrote the article that God is dead, and Graham approved of it. Called Pike a great spiritual leader. Good grief. Pike reciprocated by inviting Graham to pray at his Grace Cathedral. Graham was no stranger to Grace Cathedral, for he was one of the honored guests May 15, 1958, with a seat on the front row when Dean Pike was consecrated as a bishop. Moreover, Dr. Graham praised him highly from the platform of the Cow Palace the same night. He had him on the platform to read a prayer May 24th before a nationwide audience. A year before Graham had praised him, Pike was one of the panelists on the Playboy panel published in June 1957 issue of Playboy. Graham was friends with the world. Let me read this. This sounds very crude. In 1983, shortly after actress Jean Collins appeared in the widely publicized nude spread in Playboy, Graham and Collins were booked onto the Merv Griffin show on the same day his staff was worried. Larry Ross pointed out that everything she stood for was a complete about faith from what Mr. Graham stands for. For example, she talked about how to raise a 13-year-old daughter with a live-in boyfriend, 
Several times, the audience booed some of her statements just because of the values they represented. I didn't know what to do. I thought, this is good television, but it's going to be real shifting the gears. I thought Mr. Graham may not know anything she stands for, so I told him. He said, yes, I know. Well, when he went on, the first thing Merv said was, Billy, were you aware that Joan Collins had appeared in Playboy? Mr. Grimm said, yes, I've seen it. Someone showed it to me in the barbershop right on national television. He said that. I can't believe this guy. Graham, people, he just looked good in his crusades, but he was corrupt. Let me see here if there's something else. There's a whole, it's a whole book of his friends. They were all wicked, evil people. Let me see here. Billy Graham said, talked about Robert Schuller. Robert Schuller didn't believe in the deity of Christ. He had that crystal cathedral in California till he died and I believe he went to hell it was a feel good gospel Does it, he says Robert Schuller, a heretic by Dr. Joseph Chambers we find Schuller is nothing but dressed up humanism religious humanism is much worse than secular humanism because of the religious language used to convey the message it is seductive and evil does any of this bother Billy Graham apparently not remember Graham himself said of Schuler, there is no one in the world I love in Christ more than I do Bob Schuler. he has done some great things for the kingdom of God of any man in this generation. About 20 years later, Graham was still singing Schuler's praises. Robert Schuler is a great man of God whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop and loose. That's Billy Graham's words. Billy Graham tries to find his own common ground in an interview with Charles Gibson in Good Morning America in 1998. He told Gibson that Muslims and Jews can be saved by finding God in their own worship system. He's not going to say this from the pulpit of his crusades. He's just going to look good and think nobody even cares. So I'm not going to make a bunch of noise about it. He defends alcohol use. He defends drug use. He defends pornography. He defends everybody that that is not, as long as they're nice. It, they've got so many things in this book. I'm going to stop right here and come back and read some more next time. Billy Graham didn't tell the truth. He didn't even tell people from his platform the things that he believed other than accept Christ, which is not true. The Bible says the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness to him. Accept, dekomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been given. The Bible says when you're dead in sin, you cannot accept anything spiritual. 
Billy Graham is the man that has corrupted America more than any human being because everybody believes him because he was real nice real popular and the whole world liked him he was famous he wasn't infamous and he wasn't blessed by God reproach he was not reproached by the world blessed are ye when men shall reproach you when they hate you when they cast out your name as evil they didn't cast his name out as evil when they separate from your company they didn't separate from Billy Graham that's Luke 6.22 when they separate from your company when they reproach you O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O Oniedzo means to be infamous you can't be as famous as he was and there is nobody that has been as famous as Billy Graham in 2,000 years I don't believe Billy Graham went to heaven I don't see how he could when the Bible says you have to be hated by the world Jesus said if the world hate me Billy Graham it'll hate you he didn't say Billy Graham in those, but that he means everybody that's not hated. He said, if they reproach me, they'll reproach you. If they made me infamous, did they make Jesus infamous? Well, everybody was gathered around there on the, when he was crucified, and they said, crucify him, kill him. Well, that's not famous. Even his followers were in the crowd. And when he said, Father, forgive them, he didn't mean forgive everybody in the crowd. Forgive the elect that's out there crucifying. And they were following the mob. I've got another book here. This is written by a man named D.R. McConnell. Now, I don't agree with his theology because he was a Pentecostal. He went to Oral Roberts University. But he's written this book about how the charismatic positive confession faith began. He'll tell you that this positive confession, Billy Graham was preaching more or less the same thing, a feel-good gospel. Feel good. What Billy Graham was preaching was another Jesus. Just because you say the word Jesus doesn't mean that you believe him. What do you mean by believe Jesus? That's something that confused me as a kid. I didn't know what to do. How do you believe Jesus? You believe everything. Here's what believing Jesus says. Believe Jesus. Believe Jesus means to read what he said, what said. And struggle, because you will struggle, struggle to do it. You can't believe something and not do it and become involved in it. No way. And Paul said some will come preaching another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. Billy Graham preached another Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible you have to believe and obey. You have to be reproached. You have to be hated. You have to be reproached, be infamous. 
Bless you to eat when men shall hate you, when they reproach you, when they cast out your name as evil, cast out name. And when you tell people Christmas is pagan, Easter is pagan, you tell them Billy Graham didn't tell the truth. Everybody in America liked Billy Graham. He was just like Sara Lee. I've said this a thousand times. Nobody does it like Sara Lee. Nobody does it like Billy Graham. Except people like me that have studied the Bible and dig into it and find out about popular people and how you can't be popular with the world. This is what really... You can't be a popular singer. You can't be a popular sports star or guitar player. Boy, Nashville praises all the the men who die. They praised Charlie Daniels. They praised... Praised Johnny Cash when he died. They praised Roy Acuff, and he was the greatest guy going. They praised Joe Diffie that died recently. And he was the number one star in 1990. They praised him and talked about what good Christians they were. They can't be good Christians being as famous as they are. And I never heard one of them talk about a daily cross. Death to self, self-denial. Never heard that. You guys that walk down the aisle and claim you accepted Christ and you're a music star, you haven't. You have to become a new creation and live up to Christ. You're not saved by works, but you're saved by a working faith. Faith without works is dead. Faith is dead to self. Faith, you don't have faith unless you're dying to the flesh. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. This will show you that faith is substance. If you don't have this kind of faith, you don't have faith in Jesus Christ. Hupostasis. That's the word substance. It comes from hupo, meaning under and stasis means to stand. But there's none that understands and there's none that seeks after God. Where are you going to get that understanding? He has to put that in your heart. and That's faith. Well, if you understand, you learn. A learner was a disciple. Disciple. That's the word mathetes. We get our word mathematics from that. You have to go by the mathematical laws of the Bible in order to be a disciple. And Jesus said, unless a man bears his cross, he cannot be my disciple. You have to be condemned to a cross, you famous singers. You have to be condemned. You want to condemn me? Go ahead. I've got so many people hate me as it is. One more or less don't matter. And if you're a big superstar in the country music field, one more don't matter. I have got a defender in the faith, and it's the living God. You condemn me, you might get in trouble with him if I'm telling the truth, and I believe I'm telling the truth. So you have to have a cross to be a disciple. You can't be a follower of Christ and be a learner. And in order to obey, you have to know what you're supposed to obey. And when you start obeying, you tell people Christmas is Christ's Mass. It's paganism paganism it's pagan 
it's the mass of Roman Catholicism. Tell them, tell anybody, do you know that it was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America? Tell them that and see if they get angry at you. All of a sudden they get this cold, dead look on their face and a stare. They're going, next time they see you, they kill you spiritually. Because death means separation. It means separation. It don't mean annihilation. Thanatos. None of these people, what Billy Graham preached, put his approval on the charismatics. This man, McConnell, even though he was a Pentecostal, he was against the positive confession movement. Positive confession is what they say with their mouth and what they do. They say that they can create their own life and what they want in life. First of all, they have to visualize it in their mind. And then they have to say, name what they want. I mean, literally in the flesh. And then they have to speak it with their mouth until it comes to pass. And they say, if they want to be well, they say, I'm already well, even though they may have 110 degrees fever. They say, I am well, I am well, I am well, I'm not sick. And Kenneth Copeland says he's going to live to be 120 years old because he's got that in his mind. Well, if he lives to be 120, and if he dies, what's he going to die of? He's going to die of a disease. Everybody who dies of old age dies of a disease, usually either cardiac disease, respiratory disease, inflammation of some kind comes in their body, and their systems are wearing out. They all die. Oral Roberts died of pneumonia. Kenneth Hagin, he'll even tell you Kenneth Hagin is the father of that movement, positive confession. What they did, they got this from the Far East. And he's the guy that tells you about Far East. He's the guy where I got this from his book. He tells you about E.W. Kenyon back in the 30s. E.W. Kenyon went to India and all those foreign countries. And over there they have, they have what they call gurus, a master. And you'll find a guru and you lie down on this pallet and it will have crystals in the pallet. And they say every crystal has vibrations. They get positive crystals. I don't know how they can tell the difference between positive and impositive crystals or false crystals. But they get these positive crystals. We've actually had people come to this church that would sell you a crystal pallet. You could lay down on it and make you well. That's Hinduism. That's positive confession. And they say everything has positive and negative vibrations. And what you do, you put your faith in this guru. He lays you down on a pallet and does some incantation, and you're supposed to be healed by the positive vibrations of these crystals. He, Kenyon, in the 1930s, brought this to America. The first man, the first man to get a hold of this was a man that started the Hagen Institute. Kenneth Hagen was his name. He tells you about Hagen in this book, starting this back in the early 40s. Kenneth Hagen. When you 
talk to people, any of those guys in the positive confession movement, they all say that Kenneth Hagin was their spiritual father and they called him Dad Hagin. He has he had the Kenneth Hagin Institute in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You had two big cursed systems out there, or Roberts University. He was the biggest faith healer and he practiced Hagin's Hagin's positive confession. I don't know why they have to heal people when they can just say it. And why don't they go to hospitals and lay hands? Why don't they go to these hospitals where people have coronavirus? There's a there's a new thing on TV. It's on the internet. It's about Kenneth Hope and blowing away the coronavirus. He's going, get away, coronavirus. And, corona, and he is cursing. Has anybody seen that on the internet? It's hilarious. Some guy took all these parts off of off of Kenneth Copeland's messages, put them together, and he's going, get away, get away, get away. Coronavirus, get away. Stuff like that. He's, he's, they got him made out to be a rapper. It's hilarious. And one guy said, I, I've watched this about my 80th time. I've got to watch it one more time. And he's cursing. Well, let me tell you what he's doing. The coronavirus is the judgment of God. And let me make this real plain. What he's doing is cursing God's judgment. That's what he's doing. Let me read this to you out of the 16th chapter of Revelation. I read it last week, but I can't read it enough. And men were scorched with great heat. This is verse 9. The scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues. A plague is a pestilence. God said, I'll send pestilence if you not obedient to me and they're blaspheming they're blaspheming and what Kenneth Copeland is doing he is blapto female he's blaspheming hindering What God has said are the fame of God. That's our word fame are the words of God. He's blaspheming God's words and he will go to hell for that. And they which had power over these plagues and they repented not to give God glory for the plagues. Well, but what I'm going to do, let me show you what they've done. These positive confession people. He'll tell you all about it. Mr. Kenyon brought this to America. Kenneth Hagin got a hold of it. And he spread it through all of America through this positive confession movement. He said, all you have to do is visualize it and say it with your mouth and say it's already done. That's why you'll hear them say, all you have to do is say... I want a new Cadillac. I want a new town car. Then they say you can stipulate what you want on that. And you keep saying it over and over and it will come to you. You believe that? 
and they say that's positive confession or they've kind of renamed it name it and claim it and they say you can name your health and get it how can that be how can they change everything when God has declared the end from the beginning and from ancient times everything that's not yet done how can you name something and claim it and God's already got it ordained to be the way it's going to be huh I know the Lord said, but God doeth it shall be forever, and nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. For God doeth it that men should fear before him. You can't take anything away or add anything to the will of God. So this is a good book. Just I don't believe his theology, but he tells you where it comes from. And the men that have followed this name and claim it is T.D. Jakes, Kenneth Copeland, Uh, Joyce Myers, Fred Price, Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis. There's a whole bunch of new ones that I'm not familiar with. I can't keep up with them. They're coming in at breakneck speed into that thing. And then they tell people, all you have to do is send me your money. And they take verses and make it mean something it doesn't mean. They take that prosper and be in health and they say, see, and somehow they put their name in Third John 2. They say, I wish above all things out there must prosper and be in health if you send your money to Kenneth Copeland. Why can't I send it to the poor and prosper and be in health? But the word prosper is the word you hodos. You means well. Hodos means way. You hodos. That's the word prosper. And they never bother to find out what the definition of the words are. You means well. Hodos is the common word way. And there's two ways. There's a narrow way and a broad way. So the well way is the narrow Thalibo way. And that has the same meaning as tribulation. That's the narrow way. And health is the word hugiano. H-U-G-I-A-I-N-O. So they say... All you have to do is say it and you'll have physical health. But that's the word sound doctrine. Hugiano is the same word as time when men will not endure sound doctrine. And they don't endure sound doctrine today. And Billy Graham has been the main force in this. He helped. And what gets me, his family says, oh, he was a wonderful man. Everybody always liked him. His family liked him. And everybody in the world liked him. Did he ever correct his kids? Franklin Graham was a was a biker when he was young, getting into all kinds of trouble. And now he's a mush-mouthed preacher, and he can't even put the phoniness on his father put on. Doesn't say anything true. Let me show you something else they do. Go here to Proverbs. They take a verse and make it mean something and it doesn't mean. What they've done is taken this positive confession movement and say, if you say it with your mouth, you get it. Proverbs 18. And here's what they do. Pull one verse out of this and they say, 
Verse 21, they quote this and tell you, you can get what your mouth says. Death and life were in the power of the tongue. They that love it eat the fruit thereof. So if you say positive things, you get what you want. The only problem is, that's not what this chapter is about. This chapter is about cursing people, getting mad at them, jumping on them, or being gentle and kind and telling them the truth. That's the power of life and death. You can destroy a man with your mouth. And when you read the whole chapter, that's what it's talking about. Verse 1 of this chapter. Through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. A fool hath no delight in understanding. So he starts off with a wise man and a foolish man. But that his heart may discover itself. When the wicked cometh, notice he's going to pit the wicked against the wise, and that's going to have to do with death and life being in the power of the tongue. You can destroy somebody with your tongue, or you can build them up. Just because you can figure out something to gossip on somebody doesn't mean that's what you're supposed to do, because it's not. The words of a a man's mouth are deep waters. You can destroy. We are not supposed to be ever slandering or gossiping about anybody. When you, you say, well, that's not gossip. I said the truth. If you say the truth that somebody else said and you put your slant or you put your timber in your voice, your inflection, that sounds negative. You're gossiping. I don't care if you say the same exact words. I won't let that happen in my life. I did at one time. The words of a man's mouth are as deep waters and the wellspring of wisdom are a flowing brook. It is not good to accept the person of the wicked. What does accept persons mean? Except it's being partial to somebody. It's showing favor. It's the same thing as prosoopliteo in the Greek. Pros respect persons. This is the word respect persons. Respect persons. Now, most people do that right there. They like they look at the outward appearance. If she's pretty or beautiful, they want to don't want to tell her the truth. They might get a chance to make a pass at her. Right, men? Or am I lying? They look at the outward appearance, but not at the heart. If he's got a lot of money, and he's real forceful kind of person, forceful, very forward, and you look like you can get something out of him, or he's got he's very glib, he's always got a joke to make you laugh. You accept that outward appearance. That's what pros apo lepteo. Pros apo lepteo comes from pros and apo and ops, actually, O-P-S, and lambano. Lambano means to take hold of, 
take hold. Ops, we get our word optical from that. It's what you see or the visage. Visage comes from vision. Pros means toward. So it means to look at the outward appearance and take hold of that and move toward it and say, that's the word respect of person. When people say, God wouldn't predestinate because he's not a respect of persons. God's not a respect of persons. He doesn't look at the surface. Respect of persons means look at the outward surface and accept a man for what he looks like and how smart he is and how much money he's got or how good looking he is. God doesn't look at that. He looks at the heart. Now, let me keep reading here. This whole chapter is about death and life is in the power of the tongue. And they read that and say, see, you can say it with your mouth and get it. You're stupid. Bob Tilton used to use this verse all the time. You can say it. He's an idiot. He was, Bob Tilton was so stupid that even the charismatics at TBN didn't want him on TBN. <laughs> he was an obviously obvious con man. Now, it is good not to accept the person of the wicked. Don't look at the outward appearance of the wicked man just because he's got a personality and just because just because he's Billy Graham and he looks good and he's handsome and he's got a big round voice. He he does that on purpose. He didn't talk to his wife Ruth that way. Dear, are we going to eat in or go to a restaurant? You think that's what he said to his wife? It's kind of like Adrian Rogers. Well, well, he liked to laugh like that. Well, uh, if you're here today and you'd like to accept Christ. Diddy's at home. He's jumping down, coming down the stairs say, Honey, are you here? Let's go eat. You think he talked to her like that? No. It is good not to accept the person of the wicked to overthrow the righteousness and judgment. He said, you don't accept bad people and overthrow righteous men. So that's death and life. A fool's lips enter into contention. Contention is the word reeb, R-I-Y-B. It means a fight. So he's talking how you can have death and life in the power of the tongue. It means a fight. It comes from rube. Rube is what circus men would call out when somebody started a fight on the midway. They'd shout, rube! It's a Hebrew word. It means fight. And all the others would come running. Now let's go and read more of this. His mouth calleth... A fool's lips enter into contention, verse 6. His mouth calleth for strokes. Mahaloma. Mahaloma. M-A-H-A-L-O-M-A-H. It means, it calls for strokes... It calls for lifting up the fist and fighting. That's how death and life are in the power of the tongue. You destroy somebody. He calls for blows or strikes. Now, 
A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. So we're talking about death and life and the power of the tongue. You can destroy somebody with your mouth, with your gossip. Saying things about them, even though the facts were true, but you didn't know their purpose in saying it, so you put your slant and your inflection to your voice on it, and you make them look bad simply by your slant. You don't have any business talking about people. I've got people that put things online about me that are absolute lies. I had one guy write a letter, sent it all over the country, and everything in the letter was a lie. But I'm not going to fight him. God will fight him if he wants him fought. The words of a talebearer, Nergon, means to roll a person to pieces. N-I-R-G-A-N means to tear somebody apart with your mouth. The words of a talebearer are as wounds that go down into the innermost parts of the belly. means someone who slanders somebody just to be putting them down. The Lord is going to fight my battles for me. I'm not going to fight anybody ever again. He also that is slothful, lazy. He won't study his Bible. In his work is brother to him that is a great waster. The word waster, shakoth, means to put something in decay. S-H-A-S-C-H-A-C-A-T-H. Shakoth. That's one that wastes time, and he's slothful, and he's lazy. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous runneth unto it, and is safe. I'm going to run to the name of the Lord. Name is the word Shem. It means authority. God's authority is his word. When we fight, we fight ourselves. Fight the good fight of faith. Agonize. Agon, the agonize the good agon. The agon was the arena where they fought. Then he says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. A strong tower, you're going to find all through the book of Proverbs, some places it will say, A man's wealth is his strong tower. But the the name of the Lord is the exact opposite as a man's wealth. A man's wealth. But the name of the Lord to us is a strong tower and we run unto it. That's God's word. Strong tower means they built all of their cities with towers and they were guarding them. They were guarding the city against the enemy. And a strong tower, they could see the enemy coming from afar off, and they could set up defenses around the city. That was a strong tower. When the Bible says a man's wealth is is his strong city, it means his wealth is the only thing that can defend himself. And that'll die when he dies. You can't defend yourself against God at the judgment with your money. 
the rich man's wealth is his strong city. There it is right there. The rich man's wealth is his strong city and has a high wall in his own conceit. So the walls of this man are his own conceit. And that's all he's got to defend himself with is how good he thinks he is. If you think you're good you and think you've got all the answers, you don't. I've been studying for 64 years and I don't believe I've got all the answers. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it is folly. These people that have written letters to me and written letters about me, they don't want to hear the explanation. They just say, you're a dirty guy, you're low down, and you said this, and I don't believe that, and they don't have any idea what they're talking about. Skip verse 12. Huh? Skip verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. Before a man is destroyed, he's so lifted up, he thinks he can't be destroyed. And before honor is humility. See, notice he's all through here, he's putting the godly man against the ungodly man so that when you get to death and life or in the power of the tongue, death would be your destruction of a man with your tongue and life would be your building up a man with your tongue. But it don't, don't mean you're going to get whatever you want if you say it. See, it's crazy. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it. I had this fellow that sent this letter out all over the country. He never heard me answer it. I just said, this is the craziest letter I've ever seen. There's nothing in truth in it. You know what his problem was? He wanted to take over the ministry. He expressed that to another guy. He said... I'll just guess when Jim dies, I'll take over the ministry. What really stopped him in his tracks, I got up here one day preaching. I said, you can't just take over the ministry. We are a corporation. A corporation, you have a president. I'm the president. You have a vice president. That's my wife, Mary. And you have officers. And that would be my son, Eric, and Mike. Why them? Because they were the only ones here when we became a corporation. So you're going to have to get Mike and Eric and Mary's vote to take over. That would be like me. My neighbors, believers across the street, Ben and Holly, they would like me going to Holly and say, now when Ben dies, I'm going to come over and take over your house, okay? (laughs) You can't do that. She's the owner too. You can't just say, I'm going to come in and take over. And this guy thought, well, I'll take over when Jim dies. And that's why he had so many evil things to say about me, because he wouldn't. When I said that we were a corporation, we are. How did we become a corporation? Let me tell you. This is how it happened. My father pastored a little small Baptist church in Memphis in a house. But he had made it a corporation. He had applied and gone through all the paperwork over there. And all we had to do was transfer. In about 1991, when Mike and Eric and May and Mary were here, that's all we had. When we were the only ones here, he, I had to, we had to go down to one of those buildings downtown where you got the license transferred. We had to transfer that little Baptist church to 
and we turned it into Grace and Truth Ministries because that's the corporation. And we had to have had to have a president, a vice president, and we had to have officers. So we set it up that way. That's all the people we had, 1991. So you'll have to get their vote before you can take over, okay? <laughs> you can't get, you can't just walk in and say, Oh, Jim's preaching, and nobody say I can't take over. Oh, yes, there is. There's a law. You can't, and that's like when it, I've been accused of stealing from the ministry. I can't steal from the ministry. It's a corporation. If I steal, I had a couple of guys writing to me say, "I guess you got a million dollars in that building fund by now. I guess you've taken it all, you idiots. You can't steal from a corporation." You do, you go to prison, knuckleheads. And I I wouldn't have ever known what to do to come up with a corporation. My father had already done it. Now, take that. <laughs> and I'll add one other thing. That little house they were meeting in, it owed my mother like 25000 and what was left was 25000 And that was sent to me, and it went into the building fund, and it's still there. And we've got a considerable amount of the building fund. I haven't taken any of it. Crazy people. See, you don't even know my business. You don't even, I don't think you know your own business. So anyway, how much time do I have, Mike? Let me finish reading this. He that answered the matter before he hears it. Hey, this guy that writes, sent out this letter, you hadn't even heard the answers, and I'm not ever going to answer you. It, follow, it is folly and a shame unto him. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear it. When you gossip about people and ripping them apart with your tongue, the heart of the prudent getteth knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. A man's gift maketh room for him, and bringeth him before great men. He that is first in his own eyes seemeth just. He just seems just. Puts himself out front. I know what that's about. In the music business, I had my younger brother said, Could I stand in the front and be in the middle so everybody can see me? I said, Yeah, I don't care. I was the MC, so I didn't care. He that is first in his own cause seemeth just, but his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. The lot causeth contention to cease. That's casting a lot. It was something like drawing straws and part of between the mighty. A brother offended is harder to be one. He's defended because of the tongue it's talking about all through this chapter. You'll either rip people apart or you'll build them up. I try to build everybody up. When I talk about anybody in this group of people, of believers, I brag on everybody here. I brag on Lily. I brag on you when I talk about you. I say, we've got this real gentle lady that comes here, and she's just very tender-hearted and loves the truth. Says, I just love the truth, and I watch you all the time, and she's a sweet lady. That's what I say about people. If I talk about Teresa or Jesse. I just say, I love those people. They are wonderful. I am giving them life in the eyes of other people. 
A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And when a brother offends you by his mouth, you can't win him back very easy. And their contentions, their rube, are like bars of a castle. You can't, once you destroy your friendships with somebody, with your tongue, the tongue is a deadly evil. That's what James, the third chapter, says. It destroys. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. The fruit of his mouth is what he says. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. You're going to be filled with good or evil. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You'll either destroy somebody or you'll lift them up. This don't mean death and life in the power of the tongue. Cadillac, Cadillac. I get a Cadillac. You, you lame brains. It's not what this is about. You've got to go to the context of everything. This is about gossip and ripping people to shreds or saying gentle, kind things about them. Whenever I talk about people, I was talking to somebody on the Internet yesterday. I said, these guys work for me. I said, they're my best friends. I said, Mike and Tom and Dave. And I started describing them. I said, Mike, Mike takes care of all the TV stations. Dave makes all the phone calls. I said, Mike goes to conventions. And I said, I couldn't do this without them. I said, Tom is our man that takes care of all the correspondence. He knows a lot about computers. I said, these guys are wonderful. I said, I couldn't do it without them. All I'd be is a little preacher in a room somewhere. So they're preaching just as much as I am. So whenever I talk about somebody, I say good things about them. I'll talk about John. I'll say, John is somewhat backward, he seems to be, but so was I when I was young. I didn't know how to connect with people. I didn't mix with people real easy. I would be the last person you would think would be teaching from the Greek text when I was 18 or 19. If you'd have said you'd be teaching from the Greek text when you're an old man, I'd say, well, that won't ever happen. So I'll brag on John being a gentle, uncomely part of the body. He doesn't ask the nicest the word uncomely. means don't fit well. And besides that, those are the ones we're supposed to give more attention to. Every time I come in, I say, John, how you doing? He grunts at me. <laughs> oh. He goes, uh. I say, I love you, John. Uh. He's just not outgoing. But that's okay because I understand that because I used to be that way. You can come out of it. But if I have anything to say about anybody, that's what death and life is the power of the tongue means. This is the first time I've just stopped and gone through this whole chapter. Whoso findeth the wife, findeth the good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. The poor with, poor useth entreaties. Entreaty means to be gentle. And the rich answereth roughly. Get away from me. You can't get none of my money. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. That's what this whole chapter is about. It's about being friendly to your friends. 
saying the right things about them. I've got much to say about gossip and slander. I hadn't gone through it in a long time, but I'm going to. That don't do nothing but destroy people. I love everybody. I love everybody regardless of where they are spiritually. God has given to every man a measure of faith and metron, but he hasn't given to everybody the same measure. So as you grow, your faith grows. So we got to understand where other people are, don't we? That's absolutely necessary. People don't grow at the same rate. And there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, and that's Christ. That's what a that's what they called when you the pagans that was a pagan saying when they would mix their blood together and become blood brothers they would cut their finger or cut a place on their arm and mix their blood together and they were said they were friends that stuck closer than a brother and that's Christ we should be that way about each other death and life and the power of the tongue has anybody heard the charismatics preach on that they say that means to sit with your mouth and you get it you guys are dumb you're stupid brutish you have the understanding of a brute beast you won't learn you can't learn you can say this to these people and they don't care and they use all these other verses calling things that be not as though they were that's raising the dead that's not saying something with their mouth and something was not as something you get I'm out of time let's pray Lord thank you for your truth you are a magnificent God Lord help this message to get to people out there especially about this Billy Graham he was such a false teacher he just looked good to everybody and they don't even know what he believed I've got so many articles and books on him and he self-indicted himself thank you for your truth fight our battles we're not going to fight anymore I'm too old to fight anybody I, I just want to live for you till I die preach the truth Lead us to your elect family. We'll praise you for everything in Christ's name. Amen. Billy Graham said one time, he said, I don't know if I'm pleasing men or God. That's in that book also. Well, he absolutely was pleasing men because Paul said, If I yet please men, I am not the servant of Christ. I don't think people know how dangerous Billy Graham was. He has the whole world convinced of accept Christ and sinner's prayer, and it's not even true. If you look good and sound good, people think you must be good, don't they? Billy was without a doubt a corrupt man. And you tell people that in America, you talk about getting persecuted, they'll want to kill you. I'll probably get an unbelievable amount of bad letters on this. People just don't want to believe that about Billy Graham, even though it's true.
He was friends with everybody, with pagans and heathens, and there was nobody didn't like him, except people like me that knew the truth about the Bible. If we could recognize the good about our brothers and sisters in Christ, recognize the good about them, what they do good and for the Lord, and tell people that, that makes a difference in our lives. Billy Graham said at one time he was in a meeting with the Pope the Pope grabbed him by the collar and pulled him right up to his face and said we are brothers Graham how would you like the Pope to say that to you because they were seeking the same cause I don't care who Billy Graham was where popular he was. I didn't believe in him. <laughs>